George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey gang, welcome into another edition of the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds, Wealth Manager and Chief Tax Strategist at McReynolds Wealth Management, serving you here in the Southeast PA Philly area from his office in Lansdale. You can check him out online at prosperpodcast.com. That is prosperpodcast.com. Or you can give him a call the old-fashioned way if you hear something useful on the program and you want to talk more about it, learn more about it. Before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional like like George McReynolds. Again, he's a wealth manager and chief tax strategist. So call him at 215-699-1050. That's 215-699-1050 to talk with George. And check out the podcast at prosperpodcast.com. That is prosperpodcast.com. And subscribe to us on Apple or Google or whatever platform of choice. And we would certainly appreciate it. George, buddy, how are you this week? Oh, uh, what a beautiful day, Mark. Things are going well. Hope they're well with you as well. I understand you, uh, your band recently released a song. We did. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. We're uh, we're a couple of old guys, but we're still doing what we like. We're still chasing dreams, chasing passions. Nothing wrong with that, right? No, it's fantastic. So, uh, That's yeah, great. we appreciate it. And, yeah, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, if you're only as old as you feel, and, uh, and sometimes in this country we kind of have this stigma that at a certain age you're just supposed to whatever, you know. For musicians, it's like after a certain age, all you're supposed to do is play in a cover band and occasionally play the local bar or pub down the street. And we're like, eh, why do that? Let's make full-on videos and full-on rock albums and have fun. Who cares? (laughs) So that's what we're doing. I just went to see uh, Tony Bennett the other night. He's 93 years old. Exactly. And that is absolutely my goal, is to be sharing my gift with the world with passion and humility, just like he He was so humble, he kept getting called out for curtain calls for taking a bow, and he was blushing every time. That's awesome. What a great show. He did not miss a a single note that's what, awesome. what a blessing man that is awesome that's fantastic yeah i have not had the privilege of catching tony bennett i need to do that because <laughs> a poor fella is he's got to be tired he's toured a lot of years so i'm gonna go check yeah. that out as soon as i can let's yeah. get into our show today let's talk a little uh, headline news to kick things yeah. off here this is an <laughs> we'll see what your take on this is old bernie sanders wants to forgive about 1.6 trillion in student loan debt george so that nobody has any student loans at all. Now, Elizabeth Warren has come along with her own plan that focuses a bit more on lower and middle-income families getting the loan forgiveness. It's about a third of Bernie's price tag. I don't know. In general, good idea, bad idea, no matter what side of the aisle you want that you're on, what do you think about either one of these plans to forgive student loan debt? Well, I am politically agnostic. I don't believe in either of the sides, but I get the biggest kick out of the politicians because these people have never really had to work. They never bust tables or or waited or delivered newspapers. They have no idea how the economy really works. A lot of them, how yeah. you earn money. Yep, that's true. A lot of them that way. 
Yeah. And it's going to be a bidding war to who can give the most stuff by the time the election's over. But as far as the school debt, it is really a serious problem. But I put the blame more with the schools than with anyone else, whether the politicians or the students. You know, they've messed up the system to where it takes six years to get a four-year degree. You know, if you have biology 101 and you want to change majors, well, you need biology 101-1. And instead of you know, taking a, a two-day seminar to make up the difference, you got to take the whole course all over again. And they also, they sell a lot of junk degrees that people can't earn a living with. And maybe there should be risk-adjusted majors where they'll only uh, allow a certain loan amount on art history or uh, a loan to value, just like in real estate. But I, I really think the responsibility goes more to the schools and they should have to dip into their endowments to clear some of this junk debt off of the students' books because they're responsible for the vast majority of it. That's a really interesting take. I like some of the ideas that you had in there for that. I think that's some neat things that we should look at exploring. I heard another gentleman talking and he was like, you know, part of it too is the government just being involved. You know, the rates at which schools raise their tuition is astronomical. It's out of control. And so people can't afford it. And so grants and all these things kind of happen. And of course, why would the schools cut their costs when the government is chiming in? So they were actually talking about, you know, maybe the government shouldn't get involved in any money that goes towards these universities. And maybe we could get some of these tuition prices back down under control. So either one of those things, certainly something's got to be done because what example does that set for young people too? If they've signed a note, they've signed a loan, they've done all this, that, and the other, and now it's all been forgiven. How is that going to teach them anything when it comes to their mortgage or their cars or whatever the case is? At some point, if life gets hard again, are they going to hope that someone just forgives their mortgage? So I don't know. My daughter paid for hers, so I'm kind of on the fence about it myself. But interesting take. I really like some of your ideas, George. Thanks, Mark. All right, well, let's get into our main topic here today on the program. Did you ever watch that TV show, Mythbusters? Yes, I did. I enjoyed that. It's a good show, right? It's a lot of fun. They did some interesting things, had some fun blowing things up, obviously, but they would take all these kind of myths we hear, like, you know, can your hot water tank explode and shoot off through the roof like a rocket? A lot of Hollywood myths about can you survive being shot at if you dive underwater? You know, things of that nature. So it was a pretty fun show, had a really good following. And I thought we could have some fun today and do financial myth busters. And on today's episode, I'll give you some frequently known financial myths and let you kind of tackle these things and see if it's a myth or if it's plausible. That's what they used to call it. They would say the myth is uh, it's a myth or it's plausible if it could happen in certain ways. So I'm going to let you tackle some of these, George. We'll get your opinion on them. Here's my first one for you. Shifting from stocks to bonds will remove the volatility from your portfolio. What do you think? It's a great idea if you can do it. Problem is, you can't do it. Okay, It's impossible. In fact, trying to do it actually does the opposite. If you buy a certain amount and then rebalance to that, not trying to move from one to the other, but holding a certain amount of each, that will give you less volatility. That won the Nobel Prize in 1991. Part of it was from a guy named Markowitz from University of Chicago. And if you hold both of them and just periodically rebalance, you will have less volatility. But if you try to move from one to the other, you'll just increase the volatility and you probably will lose money in the process. Well, that's kind of, I think some of these are going to come from some older thinking too, George, right? Because that is kind of the norm that you would hear definitely years ago that that was the way you should do things. You should do the traditional 60 40 portfolio. And as you aged, you should move more, uh, 60 being the stocks and 40 being the bonds. And you should move that more the other way as you got into retirement. So, 
I don't know. I guess we'll call that one. We'll call that a myth for right now. Then it sounds as though you're saying it's uh, basically can't get done. So we'll call that a myth. Not plausible. Not plausible. Okay. All right. How about this one? Once you've retired, life insurance is no longer necessary. That's a great one. And 50% of the people in the country argue, fight, and worry about money. And if you're in that half, if you're not doing too well with your money, then you probably won't need the life insurance. But there's different ideas for people that are successful. And I don't mean, you know, being super wealthy, but just if you really are upper middle class or affluent, your decisions, your strategies are going to be much different. If there's a chance that you're going to have a taxable estate, then you may want to keep that life insurance or at least move it into a trust. And then it's kind of like slipping money under the door of your estate so that you can avoid the federal estate taxes and possibly a lot of income taxes. But just flat out, once you retire, you don't need life insurance, only if you're not successful. If you are successful, then you really need to take a look at what you could use it for. And then if there is no use, then terminate it. But an old wives' tale is not the way to make a financial decision like that. Yeah, a lot of rules of thumb, wives' tales, they do kind of fall into these myth categories. And so sometimes it's good to kind of readdress those And that's what we're doing here on the program. So we're going through some of these. i got a couple more for you. A couple of really popular ones here. We hear this a lot, George. You're going to need less income when you retire than you needed when you're working. We kind of typically hear 85% is kind of what you'll need of your work income in retirement. What's your thoughts there? Well, in the early years of retirement, a lot of my clients, they want extra money because now's the time when they want to go out and enjoy life and go on tours. And then at a certain point, they'll slow down. And the problem with that is at the time that you slow down, then your medical expenses are likely to be going up. So I think it'll end up being a balance between the two. So in a lot of cases, people will need pretty much the same amount of spending money that they had before they retired. Yeah. And for entertainment. Yeah. That's for entertainment true. in your early years and then for healthcare in the later years. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, again, this might be one of those older tropes that we're thinking about because nowadays, you know, we've got the go-go years. You're probably going to want to spend more while your body is allowing you to get out and do things and enjoy yourself and have fun in those retirement years. And then as you get to the the no-go and the, or, or the, excuse me, the slow-go and the no-go years, the healthcare costs at the rate that they're climbing, you're going to possibly need more income all through retirement than you actually uh, you know, did when you were working. It's quite possible anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Mark. Okay. All right. So in that same vein, George, then definitely an old, an old myth, uh, or well, possibly a myth, I'll let you tell me, that you will be in a lower tax bracket once you retire. That's possible, but okay. not likely. The brackets today are really wide, especially with the changes last year. Right. So very few people, some people will dip from say, you know, 22% down to 15 or some people from 15 to 10, but dropping from 33 into 28, you know, any of the, the middle brackets, they're really, really vast. And you may be able to get rid of some of the things like the net investment income tax and the alternative minimum tax, but you really need to measure it if it's important to you. And if you find out that you're going to be in the same or a higher bracket, then you want to start moving your money into the never taxed bucket. So there's the tax now bucket, the tax later bucket, and the tax never bucket. And if your bracket's going to be the same or go up, you want to move everything or move much more into the tax never bucket. 
Okay. All right. So that one's plausible. So that might be a possibility. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen with tax rates in the future, and they they could be going up across the board pretty heftily. So if you believe some different pundits and some different things, so yeah, something you want to be a uh, you want to make sure that we're being as efficient with our taxes as possible, especially in retirement, because that's a place where you can really make or break your retirement plan. All right, final one, George. Have a little fun with this one because I know you're a technology guy. So financial planning today is much easier to do without professional help because of all the technology that's available. What do you think? Myth, not myth? I think you should have, if you have canned laughter, it would be a good time uh, because it's it's hysterical because if anything, it's much more difficult to do it today. You know, financial planning became a profession starting in 1975 when some people in finance realized that not only was there knowledge needed in the different areas, but that there needed to be some coordination of the six areas of your finances, whether it's the estate planning, the taxes, the investments, your retirement employee benefits, your risk management. You needed one strategy to bring it all together because what you did in one area would ruin things in the other area. So that's why it takes two years to get your CFP, as well as all the tests that you have to take, a two-day, 10-hour test and test for each module. It's bringing it all together. It's synthesizing. So it's not just having the ability to Google specific questions, but how do you bring them all together? How do you coordinate a good financial plan? And if you haven't had the training and you haven't had the experience, you're probably not going to do a very good job on it. It's not ready for artificial intelligence yet. Yeah, you know, and George, I feel like there's always going to be some professions that, I mean, technology, we're continuing to do this as a species, right, as a society. I feel as though that we're going to always have some things that you just, you need a person to talk to. Like, I mean, yes, you could do the robo-advisor thing when you're, you know, accumulating and you could do, you know, uh, TurboTax for your tax needs and so on and so forth. But as you get closer to retirement, there's so many things going on and things can come out of left field. And I think most people want to be able to go, come walk into an office, sit down in front of you, George, and be able to say, hey, my daughter has decided to get married and and changed all the plans and she wants to do this, that, and the other. And I need to figure out the best way to pay for that, you know, with my retirement funds, you know, as tax efficiently as possible. Whereas with the robo stuff, you could, yeah, you could just go take it from the account, but it's not going to talk you through strategies or ideas that may be most beneficial. And then also just that human connection of being able to talk with them about their daughter getting married. I just think that's something that's never going to go away in some businesses. I completely agree. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like your doctor, right? You could go to teledoc, you could call teledoc and say, Hey, I got bronchitis, <laughs> but you know, at some point yeah. you're probably going to go see a real doctor and, and get some information. And, and especially if you're feeling really bad, you're going to want that human interaction. So anyway, that's our yeah. myth busting this week here on the show. So George definitely thinks that one's uh, comical. He wanted the canned laughter, but I just went ahead and laughed. So we, <laughs> We've got one. We got time for one email question here on the show before we wrap up. It's from Alex, and I hope I say this right. Is it Chalafont? Chalafont? Is that right? You got it right. All right. So, Alex, uh, here's your question, man. He says, I've seen a lot of growth in my 401k recently, which has been nice, obviously, but I feel like I should capture these gains and take some risk off the table with everything that's been going on. On the other hand, if the market turns around again and creeps up some more, I don't want to miss out on growth. That seems to be the problem with everybody right now. What do you think, George? Well, I would ask you, what would you put it in 
if you didn't have it on the risk side, if the only option in most 401k plans would be a stable value fund, but they've consistently lost ground relative to inflation. So you go from a possible winner to a sure loser. That's not going to help you. But honestly, the best thing that I think you should do is we've rolled out a website to help people with their 401ks. And the address is helpdirected401k.com, helpdirected401k.com. And you can sign up if you're in one of the states in which we're licensed. And the promo code that you would use so that you don't get charged the fee is MCWEALTH, M-C-W-E-A-L-T-H, at helpdirected401k.com. You'll go in, you give us your name and your email, and then you'll tell us what company you're with. And then we may already have all the information on that 401k plan. And if not, we'll ask you to give it to us. And then we'll give you an email telling you how to invest your 401k. We're not just handing you a brochure like the company does. We're giving you very specific advice on your specific account. And we'll update that on a quarterly basis, but not just to rebalance your account, but there's an algorithm to help us tap into the trend in the market and try to keep ahead of some of the problems that you might expect down the road. Uh, I'd like to use the analogy of the top of the ocean. It's just chaotic with the waves going in each direction, and it's all controlled by the sun, the moon, the wind, and just absolutely unpredictable and chaotic. But if you drop down 100 feet, It's nice and calm and peaceful and quiet. And that's the best way to invest. It's the current that determines the direction and the temperature. And that's what how we try to approach investments now is we follow the trend. We look at what's the direction it's going. Nothing happens suddenly unless you're not paying attention. And that uh, over time, we see things like the crash of 87. The market had peaked in July of 87, but it didn't crash till October. The market peaked in November of 2007, but it didn't crash until the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy starting in September of 2008. So there tends to be a trend that I I like to think that there's smart money and it's not me, but I can follow what they're doing. And it's just as old fashioned as supply and demand. That's where the price is. And so we, we watch the price trends. And so now we're offering that service and there's no charge for it. We will be charging a fee in the future, but it won't be this year. And so sign up, give it a try, and hopefully we'll get you on the right path so that you're not guessing whether to move out of stocks into the stable value fund. Okay, cool. Well, check that out, folks. It's helpdirected401k.com. Again, that is helpdirected401k.com. Promo code McWealth, M-C-W-E-A-L-T-H. McWealth is that promo code so that you're not charged. So, Alex, great question. Thanks for submitting that into the to the program at prosperpodcast.com. Boy, I got a lot of .coms going on. I got to get all those out there. Prosperpodcast.com, again, is where you can go and submit emails. You can subscribe to the podcast. Check us out. And, of course, you can always check out this very cool service now from George and his team at helpdirected 401 k.com help directed 401k.com promo code mcwealth well with that we're going to say goodbye this week and if you do have any questions or you have some troubles you have some concerns you want to speak to somebody give george a call before you take any action let them know you need to come in for a consultation or a conversation whether it's phone or in person they'll get you all squared away 215-699-1050 the number to call 215-699-1050 george buddy have a great week and i will talk to you soon I'm looking forward to it, Mark. Thanks for your time. 
As always, thanks for your time here on the podcast. This has been an episode of the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds, Chief Tax Strategist and Wealth Manager at McReynolds Wealth Management. And we'll see you next time. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.